0: Welcome back to Left Anchor, I'm Ryan Cooper. Alexi is still out, so I'm hosting just by myself today, but I do have a guest. Happy to welcome to the show uh, the games journalist and critic um, Merit Kay, who has been studying, writing, uh, playing video games uh, professionally, as it were. Uh, for many years and, uh, also has made some games herself and has a book coming out too, which you'll hear about. But, uh, we're also going to talk about Reddit, artificial intelligence, and the experience of being an immigrant in the United States. So a little bit of a grab bag this episode, but I think it's pretty good. So let me not waste any more time and get to uh, my interview with Merit Kay right now. Welcome to the show, Merit. Uh, I wanted to have you on to talk about a number of things, but the, the f- first one is, uh, the games media, um, you know, important topics like ethics and games journalism. Uh,
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Very timely.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 feel like it's interesting to me because I feel like games journalism it has a, a pretty poor reputation among the broader media ecosystem. Like it's thought of sure. as kind of a joke, um, and I, I think that's partly just like, you know, bias basically that like gaming is nerd shit. Um, but I think it's also that like, there's a, a ton of terrible, um, you know, reporting about games in general out there that just kind of like, you know, it's, it's, a. Uh, Really, um, laudatory or, or just like corrupt. Absolutely. Like, a, like a, a sort of just part of the like public relations apparatus for the publishers in some cases. 100%. Um, but I also think, um, that it's important, you know, for the development of a, of a creative medium. I think that criticism is like super important to developing like, you know, the, the, the quality of the, you know, the, the, the art, I guess, for lack of a better word, you know, like there, there's tons of theoretical, you know, criticism and reporting about uh, movies, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like Roger Ebert, you know, and people like him and, and other folks before him, I think were centrally important in the, in the improvement of the film as a medium. And I think that, that, Games media kind of hurts for lack of that. Um, I sent you a video by, uh, what's his name? Yahtzee Kroshaw about review scores and how review scores are, are just like right. a ridiculous, um, way to think about something as if there's just a linear rating that you can sort of impose that will apply to everyone zero to 10, that this, it's like an, a, like a commodity. And I feel like that's the, right. maybe the yeah. first thing I want to talk about how games, have been thought of in the media and in the the gaming public as like something objective that is, you know, like buying a piece of sheet metal or something like that and how that, uh, hurts the, you know, discussion and the quality in the industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, games journalism or media goes back to, you know, hobbyist magazines in like the seventies and eighties. Uh, starts to become a little more uh, professionalized and commercial in the 80s and 90s. You get magazines like Nintendo Power, GamePro, uh, EGM. And a lot of the time, those magazines are essentially functioning as buyer's guides, or that's at least how people are using them. And it was a very different time, right? I mean, you didn't have uh, the internet um, to, to like look at footage. Uh, Demos weren't really as much of a thing, although they did exist. And so there was this, you know, atmosphere of like, how do you know if something is good or like worth purchasing or not? And uh, in that context, I think that journalism or media or whatever you want to call it did serve a a useful function. Uh, When you get into like the 2000s and 2010s, you start to see this thing, like this birth of this thing called New Games Journalism where people are writing about games from more experimental perspectives. Uh, they're doing sort of longer form criticism. They're doing personal essays interspersed with criticism. So people like Tim Rogers uh, are coming coming up around this time and doing really interesting stuff. And um, that kind of exists simultaneously with sites like IGN and, uh, GameSpot, which still primarily were doing the, like, the rev- the scored review kind of thing, um, because there's still a pretty big market for that. And then obviously in the mid 2010s, you get Gamergate, which claims to sort of be this movement for, uh, cons- it claims to be a lot of things, honestly. Um, but I think the most generous interpretation of it would be that it is against corruption in games journalism, but I think what it, sort of missed kind of intentionally because it was from the beginning, a movement about, uh, trying to reclaim this hobby that mainly like, you know, disaffected white men felt was being taken from them by women and people of color. Um, that from the beginning, like these outlets have been entrenched with publishers and, uh, you know, there are so many relationships and, uh, Arrangements that depend on things like embargoes, right? Where basically the industry has collectively agreed like, okay, we will all agree to, to these embargoes, uh, in order that we still get, uh, stuff in advance so we can have coverage ready for them. And a lot of the time the, the deals that pub, that the media is agreeing to are not favorable and kind of continue to tilt the balance in favor of publishers and of developers. I mean, mainly, mainly publishers. Um, And, uh, so you have kind of this weird state now where those sites like IGN and GameSpot are still around. They do sort of a mix of, they do some criticism. Uh, most of the mainstream games media landscape is funded by guides coverage, which is typically very low paid. Uh, so if you, if you're playing Zelda, say, and you're like, how do I beat this shrine? You search the name of the shrine and every site is competing to be the first one that comes up on Google for the very specific term of like, how do I beat this specific challenge in this game? I've never done that, uh, by the way. I
0: just, I wasn't doing that last night uh, at like one (laughs) o'clock in the morning. That was not me, just to clarify. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Now, (laughs) I'm curious if you were, you know, hypothetically doing that, uh, not that you would, do you, you know? Were you coming up with real sites or were you getting like dozens of sort of like kind of janky looking, possibly AI generated things? Because that is sort of the future that we're heading towards now, where those kinds of queries are the things that people are looking for. And historically, that stuff has subsidized the more interesting work. And I think to some extent, the reputation of games journalism is... Uh, is deserved uh, among the broader press because it is an enthusiast press. And so much of it is laudatory and insular and navel-gazy. But I will say there are people and there are outlets who have done and continue to do really great stuff. So one of my ex-coworkers at Fanbyte, Emron Khan, uh, has published some really interesting deep dives into the internal workings of companies. Someone like Jason Schreier, is another really good example of this. Uh, his work on like labor practices in games has been uh, really, really important. Um, so there are people doing these things and there are people writing really fascinating criticism and, and pushing the development of that medium forward. But it's sort of been, like I said, subsidized by this lower paying, less prestigious work that uh, is now increasingly being automated and also just like shifted off to, um, to people who will do piecework for basically nothing. Um, and you know, many of them are, you know, not living in the U S so companies feel like authorized to pay them much less than a living wage. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of a bad scene and it's getting worse, I would say. There's been a lot of site closures of pretty well-loved uh, and established uh, sites like Vice's Waypoint uh, shuttered earlier this year. And um, it's it's pretty dire out there. Um, and part of the reason for that is I think just uh, publishers aren't really interested in a press that is going to be doing criticism or deep dive reporting on their practices. What they want is... Uh, is an enthusiast press, and there is another avenue for them to get that through independent YouTubers and other content creators who often are much more eager to work with publishers to get access and don't have any kind of editorial guidelines on uh, on ethical relationships with, with publishers. And uh, so I think we've seen a move towards a lot more of that stuff in that field.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to ask about YouTube. Um, Because it strikes me as one possible, I I mean, it's just like a different way of doing it, I guess, you know, where it's like an individual personality with like a loyal, a small, uh, loyal fan base that will pay money, you know, to just like an individual person. And, um, you know, it, it, like, uh, I'm thinking of the, the escapist actually, you know, with, with, uh, that Yahtzee Croshaw guy, um, you know, say what you like about him, he's not a, he's like a famously very cutting, you know, critic. He, he, he doesn't, his stuff doesn't come out right away. It's, it's often like a month or even two months after the game. And it's, it's more about the entertaining, like attack on what, Mm -hmm. you know, like practically every game, uh, that, That comes out it's very rare to to hear him like really praise a game and he doesn't do review scores on purpose as we said um but yeah and as you also said you know there's no uh you know if you're just one person and you depend on getting that like first day pop whenever the game comes out and you have in the back of your mind that like you could be blackballed easily by the publisher not getting a review code that would allow you to make that video to put up the day the game comes out and get all the the views um, you know, do you think that represents an improvement at all or is it just kind of the same bad incentives as before?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's different, right? I think for audiences, a lot of the time they prefer like one reason or one thing audiences will say is like, Oh, we, we love a YouTuber because you know, you get familiar with this reviewer's voice and You can follow this person's, uh, personality and you, you know, that's sort of a, really that's like the way criticism works, right. Is when you know what this person, how, where this person's coming from and how that feeds into your own preferences and you can form an opinion based on that. Uh, the problem is that doesn't really work for everyone. Like creating videos is a different kind of project than, than written criticism, Um, and yeah, there are, you know, these incentives on YouTubers and I don't want to make it seem like, you know, all YouTubers are sort of willing to, to bend the rules or to just, uh, bend the knee to publishers because that's obviously not true, but they have fewer protections. And I think, yeah, when you are on your own, there is more of an incentive to sort of, uh, to toe the line and because you know that you, you could be cut off and that has happened to people. So there are people doing interesting work around games like you mentioned yahtzee uh someone like donkey is also a really good example of this who has like a really well-defined voice and uh and has a really dedicated audience uh, when it comes to his style of criticism i think like a lot of people would say okay yeah that's fine games criticism like games outlets are dying they should die and we have youtube and stuff and I don't know. I mean, I think it's harder to like get your foot in the door on YouTube. It's harder in like, in that kind of free for all, um, you don't really have these traditional outlets where people can start to build up a name for themselves using the, the prestige of, of that outlet. Um, and it's much more of a, just, can you, like, are you a good marketer and writer and video producer? because if you're not all of those things then you're probably not going to succeed in this environment. Uh so hard to say whether it's better or worse but it is uh much different and much harsher in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, the the it's a you know I do YouTube videos on the side just for fun, you know, about politics and stuff. Yeah, and the competition is intense. Uh You know, just, just, just to, you you do got to hustle really hard. And I think that's why people tend to burn out really fast. And, and I'm thinking of, there's a guy that I like a lot named Noah Caldwell Gervais, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. And you, you've probably heard of him, but, but he, the, the amount of work he puts in, it's like every couple of months he comes out with a video that's like three, four, even like seven and a half hours long. He did one that was like the entire, every single a Resident Evil game and expansion uh for a seven and a <laughs> half hour video. You know, it's like he wrote a book and then edited right. like yeah, what must be terabytes of footage. Like that, I mean, it would take. And he's just doing it by himself. You know, I mean, this would take like a trained documentary. You know, crew like weeks to put together. <laughs> and yeah, you're like, and I gotta compete with that guy. <laughs> right, <laughs> Impossible. right. That's the end of the preview, folks. As usual, we like to mention that this podcast is sponsored by the American Prospect Magazine. So if you want to listen to the whole thing, uh, you could subscribe at $5 a month. If you want that, plus a free subscription to the website, uh, plus the opportunity for a steeply discounted print subscription, you can do that if you so wish at $10 a month. And uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.